0: So I've said before that there's a built-in Trump audience. If you to go on social media or regular media or write a book or do a radio program or have a podcast that is 100% pro-Trump, there's a built-in audience just for that. There's people that who will consume what you're creating solely because you're pro-Trump. There's also an anti-Trump audience built in. You can come out and be anti-Trump and have an audience just based upon that. So that FBI agent, that corrupt FBI agent who texted with his illicit female romantic partner that he was gonna stop Trump from taking the White House, got fired yesterday, and then somebody, it might have been him, I don't know, started a GoFundMe for him, and it raised a couple hundred thousand dollars in one day, which proves my point. If you can be perceived as anti-Trump, there is money in that and the same thing pro-Trump you can perceive to be pro-Trump there's some money in that the reality is I'm not really either just like I'm not really a Democrat or a Republican although of the two I'm much more Republican I belong to the Republican Party but I often disagree with the Republican Party I don't really feel at home there. Um, So politically, I don't really have a home. I'm sort of an outsider to all of it. I'm not, I don't think of myself as being a radical. Sort of more a traditional common sense person, right? Like I believe in traditional values. I also believe in liberty, which means I think that everyone should be allowed to do what they want, if they want to pay for it. I'm a huge fan of capitalism. I'm yawning too much today. So yeah, I don't know. I believe in the Constitution. I believe in liberty. I don't think taxes are uh, moral. I believe in traditional values. I really don't have a, a political home. I think I think when Ron Paul was the face of the Libertarian Party, I felt pretty libertarian-y which was odd because he wasn't a libertarian he was a republican but yeah I felt pretty libertarian at that point but then uh, they've gotten kind of (gasps) weird Gary Johnson seemed like a nice guy sort of but um, he wasn't he was running for president and not even paying attention to foreign policy sort of an odd thing so, yeah, I don't have a political home. I think if I spelled out my views for any uh, political organized political group, they would reject them. You know, even the libertarian econo- economists don't like me because I favor tariffs, protective tariffs. They want the free, free, free market, global free trade, and unemployment for all. So yeah, I don't really have a home there. And then from a, at a faith standpoint, I'm a Christian, but I'm not really into any of the denominations and I don't speak Christianese. So there's this, I was raised Catholic, which I'm not a fan of. Just came out again today. Another thousand sexual assault victims in the state of Pennsylvania. The Catholic Church has some big problems they need to deal with. They probably should stop churching for a while and kind of clean house, but whatever. They don't come to me for advice. I was raised Catholic and then uh, rejected that and then later in life became a Christian. And non-denominational or evangelical Christians in America speak a different language from other people. I call it Christianese. Christianese and I don't speak it, and I refuse to learn, and I don't like it. Um, The the best example I have of it is if you are a church member, go to church regularly, and something happens that you don't like, and you go and talk to the person in charge of it, they will listen to you and then say, let's pray about it, which seems like a good church answer, and you're like, oh, okay. And then they say this weird, passive-aggressive prayer about needing more volunteers or whatever. Kind of lob the ball back in your court. Like, oh, you don't like what's going on? You need to fix it yourself. So Lord, please bring us all the volunteers we need so that we can run this children's program properly. Your will can be done in the children's department through all the volunteers you're going to bring us. That's kind of what I'm talking about. But anyway, I don't really feel at home there. Although they don't bother me per se. I just don't feel like I'm in the group. I'm not part of the part of the club. I'm a man without a home. Which is why when Cassandra Fairbanks attacked me today on Twitter, it really kinda hurt. So yesterday Cassandra Fairbanks She's a If you're not familiar with Cassandra Fairbanks You should probably follow her She's pretty cool She's a journalist um, Her primary passion in the public space is She's an advocate for Julian Assange And WikiLeaks I guess that would make her a pro-transparency advocate Um but amongst the things that she talks about, she's very against certain condiments. And yesterday she lashed out against mayonnaise and ranch dressing and something else. So I responded, you know, like take it easy, whatever, <laughs> just messing around. And then um, she responded about something terrible about ran- uh, mayonnaise. And I was like, okay, but you know, I've got two kids that won't eat food unless they submerge the food in ranch dressing. So they'll eat just about anything so long as it's completely submerged in ranch dressing first. So I was like, you can't ban, because you're talking about banning them. I was like, you can't ban ranch dressing because two of my kids will starve to death. Just kidding around. So today I was stuck in meetings all day over in Massachusetts. And when I got out, I checked my Twitter real quick. And the first thing that pops up is uh, Senator Shoshana. Also, you should also check out if you're not familiar with her. She's a... Um, I believe she works for a think tank. They do public policy research on... Uh, um... Licensing reform? Like, why should your barber have to have a license to cut homeless people's hair in a park for free? You know, that kind of stuff. Anyway, so she put uh, hashtag never mayo. That was her her thing. I don't think, although they're both Washington, D.C.-based, semi-famous social media figures, I don't think they coordinated an assault on mayonnaise. But, because I thought it was funny, and some people might have been following along yesterday with the back and forth I had with Cassandra Fairbanks, I just, I just, I retweeted it, and I put, you know, this was a coordinated assault on the constitutional rights of all condiments, and I was perhaps poorly, but trying to make the draw an analogy between their attack on mayonnaise and what the tech giants have done to Alex Jones and now Gavin McInnes. So in case you weren't following that, I talked about it on the podcast last week. Alex Jones was removed from YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, probably some other ones. And then today his website is shut down. But he's still on Twitter. And he... uh, He's got other websites that are still up. So, you know, it's one of those things where you're making him into a victim, which is drawing people to him. The first day that they had taken him off of YouTube, his app where you can watch his show that was on YouTube before surpassed CNN's app in membership. And I believe it's a paid app. I don't I don't know. I didn't really look, but you're driving people to Alex Jones is what you're doing. And then Gavin McInnes, who has a show on CRTV, which is a subscription television show. And he has a podcast with a ton of listeners. A free podcast. And then then he has two television shows on CRTV. They pulled him off Twitter. I guess supposedly it was done in advance of the Unite the Right rally. I don't know that that's true. That's just what I heard. I don't think Twitter said that. I think someone else said that. Which is so stupid because he publicly disavowed the Unite the Right 1 rally and the Unite the Right 2 rally and for all the attempts at the Unite the Right 1 rally to suggest the guy that organized it was a Proud Boy, which is a club that Gavin McInnes started. McInnes showed that the guy had been kicked out prior to the thing, or quit, or whatever it was. It was no longer in the organization. And so obviously a year later, he's still not, the guy. And the Proud Boys came out, I guess publicly said they they were not attending a racist rally, so they wouldn't be there. And then all their accounts got deactivated on Twitter a couple days before the rally in D.C., I don't know but same thing you're just making these guys into victims you're making them seem one edgier than they really are two more appealing than they really are and three you're making them into news stories people are talking about it I'm, ha- I'm recording a podcast and talking about it I'm making bad mayonnaise jokes on Twitter so that was the joke was like you know it's an assault on the constitutional rights of all condiments. You know, like first they're coming from mayo, then what's next? They're just trying to be funny. I thought it was funny. Whatever. We'll see. We'll see if Cassandra or Senator Shoshana respond to my joke. I'm not the biggest presence on social media. I think that there's a lot of people. I'm not accusing anyone specifically. I'm not saying these two... Lovely ladies are guilty of this, but I think there's a lot of people who only interact with certain-sized social media accounts. Maybe you have less. You're, you're not worthy. But I'm kind of new to the whole thing. Uh, I did Facebook for a long time, then I got sick of it. I have a lot more fun on Twitter interacting with people I don't actually know than I ever did on Facebook interacting with people that I really do know. So Cassandra Fairbanks responded that um, for 24 hours she'd been dealing with the assault of Big Mayo, (laughs) which is funny, like that's funny. But I thought about it and I'm like, wait a second. She's accusing me, like she retweeted my tweet and then talked about being attacked by Big Mayo. And I'm like, wait a second, she's accusing me of being Big Mayo. Me, a political outsider with no home, no party. Me, a person of faith in this secular era. So I'm out there on the front lines with no faith allies because I don't toe any kind of a a religious line. So I, I believe in the Bible, which a lot of Christian faiths, Catholics don't really follow. I don't believe that the Bible is the literal word of God because clearly half of the stories are allegorical on purpose There's a lot of metaphor in there. So that gets me out with most of the evangelicals of which I consider myself one. Sort of. No home. I have no I I don't join clubs. I'm not. I'm not big anything. Certainly not part of any sort of condiment industry. I'm not an industry insider in the condiment world. She's accusing me of being big Mayo. And then I thought maybe it's a personal insult. I am six foot six, I weigh 230 pounds and I'm white. Is it a racist assault? or a sizist assault?? <laughs> I wasn't comfortable. I'm not comfortable with being called Big Mayo. <laughs> no matter. What way you want to take that term? (laughs) I don't like it. I'm not a fan. But anyway, it's just fun. Some fun. You know, you got to have fun in this life. So I was in this meeting today and uh, talking about a bunch of things. But there was a portion of the meeting on sales... And it made me think of a story my father told me. You might have heard this story. My father's not the most original guy in the world. He's got a lot of uh, little anecdotes that are probably cliche, but. So these two guys, they're explorers and they're doing something in the Arctic and the plane that they're flying in uh, crashes. It doesn't matter why. Mechanical failure, runs out of gas bad windstorm, whatever but they're both fine, the plane is destroyed wing falls off, whatever, but they're both fine so they pack up all their gear, put on their snowshoes, because they were going out there to explore anyway, and they start walking south you know, they've got everything they need they've got winter gear, they've got winter tents they've got food, supplies they've got fire starter stuff, they're gonna be fine they're walking and they're walking and one of them looks back towards the plane and sees a polar bear sort of circling the plane and he starts walking a little bit faster and then his friend looks back and sees the polar bear and then he starts kind of walking a little faster and then the first guy looks back and the polar bear is now picked up their trail and is following them in their footsteps and he sort of starts to, to trot a bit. And the second guy looks back and sees the polar bear walking in their footsteps and he sort of starts to jog. And then they're both kind of jogging along and the first guy looks back and the polar bear is now running and gaining on them. So they got a big problem. The second guy looks back and sees it and he drops his pack heavy pack with the food in it, tent, all the supplies he needs. Throws down all his gear, takes off his coat, leaves the snowshoes on, and just starts running. And the buddy, who's now been sort of left in the dust, yells after him like, Hey, you can't outrun a polar bear. from 50, 60 yards away and gaining. He yells back, I don't have to outrun the polar bear. That's one of those things, you can shove that story in almost any scenario in life, right? Like, the idea of just having to be better than the guy next to you is, is fairly universal. Any workplace, any sport, any competition of any kind might not have to be faster than the polar bear, but you do have to be faster than the guy next to you. When you go to work, you got to do a little bit more than the guy in the cubicle next to your cubicle or next to you on the production line or whatever. Stay five minutes longer than he stays. Get a little more done than he gets done. That's good advice for life. Be willing to do that a little extra. Today's podcast is brought to you by my book, The Toxic Masculinity Crisis, the antidote to the feminist and communist propaganda telling a generation of young men that masculinity is toxic and that being a man is negative and bad and that women should run the world and men should be more like women and... All lies, none of it true. So check out the book. I wrote the book as a man should write a book in seven days. So you can probably read it pretty, pretty easily, pretty quickly. But there's some good stories in there, some good facts and data. If you wanna have an argument with somebody about feminism and the role of masculinity, there's some good stuff in there that you can use, some ammo. basically just spells it all out why men are men and why it is good that men are men and why men should seek to be not more like women but better men that should be your goal as a man to be the best man you can be not to be a crappy woman so it's available now on amazon.com also at the kindle marketplace store whatever they call it so please go check out the book. So the news today on President Trump, because, you know, the media cannot discuss anything that's actually happening in the country, is that apparently in some sort of offhand remark or tweet, I didn't even bother to figure out which, he referred to Amorosa Amorosa as a dog. and question is is that a sexist comment or a racist comment because Omarosa is a black woman who was a sort of star of the Apprentice television show mostly she was a star Omarosa on the on the Apprentice television show I think I only watched maybe the second season of it whatever season she was on the first time is the only season I ever watched that show And Amorosa on the show was like the my wife likes was The Bachelor, and The Bachelor every season they have a crazy girl. There's one girl, and she creates all kinds of insane drama, fights between the other girls, and tears, and all kinds of weird manipulation of the bachelor. She's always a little edgy, piques his interest. And she always sticks around, not to the end end, but maybe she's in the last five or six girls, whatever. And obviously it's by design to get you to watch the show. It creates a little extra added thing. It's a villain. Somebody, the viewers at home see who she really is, but The Bachelor doesn't see it. It's it's very, very obvious what they're doing. But Omarosa was that person on The Apprentice. She was crazy. And caused all kinds of problems and drama. And they kept her around because it was good for ratings, I'm sure. Because it was interesting to watch her interact with other people because she's a crazy person. So then Trump, I guess she was on the show a bunch of times. And then Trump, when he was coming into the White House, for whatever reason, and I don't know what possessed him, decided to bring Omarosa into the White House. At the time, the liberal media hated it that he did that and talked about how unqualified she was and what a terrible person she was and how he was a terrible president for even thinking about it and all this stuff. They had nothing nice to say about him or Omarosa. And honestly, it's one of those times where the media was right. (laughs) Like, what the hell was he thinking? But anyway, he brings her in the White House. Then she gets fired. After she gets fired, which, of course, everyone saw coming, uh, she went and wrote a book. In the book... Trying to, I guess trying to sell the book she accused the president of making racist comments the people to whom she claims the racist comments were intended have already come forward and said she's lying it's not true I personally think rather than buy Omarosa's book full of lies about the president of the United States you should buy my book with no lies in it but that's just my opinion so then she went on to say that she had taped conversations and she played one of them on some news program and it was stupid. And the president referred to it as a dog. But I think it's funny the media when when the president turns on her and calls her a name, everyone gets upset that it's sexist or racist. But when they they themselves bashed her for months on end, that was totally fine. But now that she's opposed to the president, she's in like the the protected bubble of liberalism. Like the, the disgraced FBI agent who the liberals have uh, donated hundreds of thousands of dollars to. Omarosa's in that group now. She is now anti-Trump and th- uh, therefore not insultable. You cannot insult her without being called sexist or possibly racist. When in reality, she's a crazy person. You know, when somebody starts listing their characteristics, I personally think skin color is not that high in the list of things. Obviously, your gender informs a lot of who you are and what you're interested in and all those types of things. But crazy person trumps that. So, no pun intended. So, if you're a crazy person, male, female, black, white, Asian, Latino, whatever... Crazy is going to be the dominant thing that informs your personality and who you are as a person. So Omarosa, first and foremost, is a crazy person. Everyone knows it. She's lived in the public life enough to know. Everyone knows she's nuts. So to say that she's been insulted and that it's because she's a woman or black is hysterical because the reason she's insulted is because she's a crazy person acting like a crazy person. So it's one of those weird moments, like mostly I like Trump because I find him amusing. He makes people angry that I think should get angry. It's fun. Like it's fun for me to watch Jim Acosta cry about the president being mean to him after for eight years the president was so nice to him. And. You know, turnaround's fair play. So the president of the United States was very nice to the media, and the media was very nice to the president of the United States. Well, this president, they're not very nice to, and he in turn isn't nice to them, and then they cry about it. So that makes me laugh. The establishment Republicans in Washington, D.C., who are all corrupt, just like the establishment Democrats in Washington, D.C., are all corrupt, they don't like him either, neither group. So all the corrupt politicians in Washington hate him. That makes me laugh. I think it's good. They deserve to be uncomfortable. So, yeah, so normally I'd do that. Now i got to defend Trump on something he's actually saying or doing, which is a lot harder to do. But in this case, you know what? Whatever he said about Omarosa probably wasn't mean enough. So here's this woman that he basically plucked from obscurity, made her a television star. Then when he gets becomes president of the United States, brings her to the White House, gives her a job, pays her money, She can't hold the crazy in. She gets herself fired, and then she double-crosses him and writes a book accusing him of a bunch of stuff that's not true. Because even if you don't like the President of the United States or you don't like Donald Trump, whatever the case may be, there's no evidence that Donald Trump is a racist. His board of directors was multicultural, multiracial, from pretty much all of his companies. He's been given all kinds of awards by Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton and all kinds of other people. So yeah, so she wrote a book accusing him of being a racist. Then she secretly records conversations inside the Situation Room of the White House and brings them to the media and publishes and lets the media publish those conversations. There's probably not a, a term for that level of betrayal. <laughs> it's about as bad as it gets. So now the media is saying that he's being racist and sexist, and I have to stuck defending him, saying that, no, he's not talking about her race or her gender. He's talking about her being a lunatic that betrayed him. Obviously. But that's where the whole fake news thing come from, comes from. Why can't you just tell the truth? Why can't you just say, you know what? is wacky and totally out of control and probably broke the law in making those recordings and releasing them and told a bunch of lies in her book. Why in the world? Just because she's saying she doesn't like the president, are you going to amplify everything the crazy person does? And then, when the president responds, act like somehow he's injured her, attacked her. It's so ridiculous. So that's that. I really hope that you enjoyed the whole Mayo saga. And it's funny and fun, and I really hope it continues. I hope that Cassandra or Senator Shoshana respond in some way. I'll check when I get off of this. But you should go on Twitter and check it out. On Twitter, Dennis M. Brown, at Dennis M. Brown, D-E-N-I-S. The toxic Masculinity on Amazon.com. The Toxic Masculinity Crisis, I'm sorry, Amazon.com by Dennis M. Brown. So check it out. So listen, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Thank you for tuning in. And we will talk to you tomorrow.